All right, on this Super Sunday, we do bring you some Tiger Tales here on the Big 550 KTRS on what was another busy day of college basketball. I also want to get some thoughts on the Fighting Illini. They lose at Michigan State yesterday, called by Ben Fred, by the way. We'll talk about that in a moment, but Mizzou, their streak is now at 11 winless SEC games as they fall to Mississippi State. And it just absolutely trounced in the second half. Ben, broken record time, right? We've been down this road a few times the last few weeks. Yeah, kind of more of the same. And it's it's getting worse, not better, which in some ways is understandable. You start to have uh, just the kind of the, the frustration and disappointment mount as this season goes along. This is a team that's had one win, and it was against Central Arkansas since December 9th. And they're starting to show it especially at home, which is disappointing. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't uh, – I got to be honest, man. When they lost to A&M and they lost to Mississippi State yesterday at home, those to me felt like the most winnable games they had left, and they weren't competitive in them. They lost 79-60 to A&M, and they lost 75-51 to Mississippi State on their home court. They are going to be on the road more often than not coming up to finish the season. They're going to be playing against teams that are either in the NCAA tournament or hoping to be there. And uh, it's going to be a real uh, real gut check time for this team to not simply uh, kind of fade the black here before the season ends. Well, and we got a taste of what it's like when Tamar Bates has an off night, right? I mean, they've been yep. leaning on this guy every single night out. And we've talked about some games being close that trend is starting to end, and when Tamar struggled like he did last night, which guess what? He's entitled to have an off night or two. This team just gets absolutely annihilated. But, again, it was close for about five minutes into the second half before Mississippi State runs away, but there's nobody else that's capable of leading the offense. Nobody else had a good night. The team collectively, Ben, they turn it over 20 times uh, this has become a, a disturbing trend um, that's the first one let's talk about that the fact that last year this team shot it lights out and never turned it over they're not shooting it well and they're giving the ball up seemingly almost every time down the floor yeah and they don't they don't find each other for assists uh, this is like the third game in a row where their lead assist producer has had fewer than five. Um, that's concerning. It's the first time I believe since the second game of their season where they, the lead scorer on the team didn't have more than 15 points. I think that's only happened once. And it was in that loss against Memphis where they scored only 55 points. Um, they scored only 51 in this one. And Nick honor leads the way with 15 it, it looks like, uh, yeah, I mean, it shows you really what Tamar Bates has been doing lately for this team. I mean, with outputs of 36, 20 points, um, but uh, not valuing the ball, not moving the ball as well, not making as many shots, not rebounding. I mean, these are all themes, but uh, we knew going into the year that they weren't going to be a strong rebounding team, but you thought they'd be a strong team at valuing the basketball and taking advantage of, of other teams' inability to value it. Um, you know, Missouri is uh, is not nearly creating as many turnovers as it is uh, as it is 
as it is kind of preventing on its own end enough to be a strength of their game. And that was certainly the case last year. And another aspect that is disturbing on the defensive end where they're becoming one of the worst defensive teams in the country. If you're, if you're Mizzou's opponent, you just drive to the hoop every single bucket. And if you want to take some threes, great. You'll have two or three guys wide open on the wing once you drive it to the hoop as everybody collapses on that one player. And if you don't kick it out, you're probably going to get to the rim and, and, and get an uncontested dunk. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling to me. And, and the defense has been bad long before these blowouts have started to mount over the last couple of weeks but now it's it's just laughable how easy it is for the opposition to get to the bucket and and I'm not one that that could easily just excuse it for the injuries and, and that's obviously been a problem and that and that is a part of the story Ben you've got sure. now Sean East out of the lineup you haven't had Trent Pierce obviously no Caleb Grill no healthy John Tanji all year long but even injured teams can find a way to at least play some type of competent defense this particular squad has not and I will not excuse the poor defense uh, you can find a way to do that and, and this team uh, cannot play defense in any way shape or form totally not in the half court um, now they can you know we, we talked a little bit about their creation of steals they're a top 50 team in doing that but uh, so they create they got what an 11 like 11 and a half steal percentage. Okay, great. They're giving up nine and a half, which isn't that big of a difference. And then you throw in the other turnovers and, you know, they're, they're barely creating, they're barely sacrificing fewer turnovers than they are creating on the defensive end. And those disruption numbers, um, the steal percentage, the block percentage, they're, they're not high enough to allow teams to shoot 51% from two point range, which is what they're doing. That's 200th in the country. Um, you know, they're allowing teams to shoot 33, 33.3% from three. So if you're going to allow those kind of percentages and you're not going to do a way better job of creating turnovers or getting, you know, easy buckets out of your press, then, then, then you're going to lose a lot of games. And that's what we're, and that's what we're seeing here. Um, and you throw in the, you know, the rebounding issues and it just gets worse. So I think Dennis Gates, when we talked a little bit the other night about some of this is not having the, the, the talent or the healthy bodies or the bodies period to run the system you want as effectively as you hope. And I think another part of it is Dennis Gates and his staff are going to need to take a step back after this season and say, okay, are there some things about how we want to play that we maybe need to tweak two years in because what is working in the debut is not working as much this season. Um, teams have kind of figured out what Missouri wants to do. Missouri's not doing it quite as well. And that's been a bad combination for the Tigers and SEC play. Every other team in this conference has, has found out, found ways to win at least one game and everybody but Vanderbilt has found ways to win at, win more than one. I mean, this, there, there are a lot of teams in this conference that are, that are outmatched, that are under talented, that are not, you know, able to stack up well with the top of the conference, but they're finding some ways to win some games. And I think that's, what's concerning as this drags on Arkansas is having a disastrous year. They got three wins. Georgia's got four. LSU's got four. You know, there are a bunch of teams kind of hanging out in that 500 range in conference play, one one minus or one above. 
And that's kind of where I thought Missouri would be if it was going to have a down season. I wasn't expecting this. I don't think very many people were, and it's going to require a little bit of uh, a little bit of kind of real, real scouring honesty from the staff about, okay, was it just personnel or does do some of the, the staples of the, of the style of play need to be adjusted a little bit here too. And we'll move on after this. I saw it post on Twitter last night of the guys eligible to come back. Who does come back from this team? I mean, I assume the three freshmen come back that are on this team now, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if one of the three, two of the three, all of them elect to enter the transfer portal. We'll see. Aiden Shaw, I think, is a big question mark because his usage is very sporadic right now. Didn't come into the game last night until about 12 minutes in. Again, for for a team that's very injured, where is Aiden Shaw's opportunities? He actually came in and provided a bit of a spark. Uh, Kurt Lewis would maybe be an interesting option. He's played a little bit here lately. I like how he gets to the hoop. His shots have uh, trouble falling, but... I, I do like his game, and he's a different kind of player than uh, the rest of this group. And then you've mentioned Caleb Grill. If he comes back uh, with a, with maybe a medical redshirt possibility, um, I, I do think it's, it is it is wide open, and, and I, I'm curious who ultimately does come back. I think Tamar Bates is back. I think from all I've heard, he loves the staff. He's back. But everybody else is eligible. I, I, I really do wonder. Yeah, this is uh, going to be kind of a, a look at how much these guys are bought in on their ability to improve, their belief that this is going upward in a uh, quick direction. But it might get uh, – I, I don't want to be negative Nancy here, man, but this might get worse as, as there's some there's some big games left to play for the opponents um, for a team that hasn't won. And, and if you don't – find some some gumption here, find some some way to kind of fire up, then there are going to be more lopsided losses coming as you play teams that are trying to peak for tournament play. Um, three made three-pointers that it's hard to do for a team that wanted to lead the country in three-point attempts. Um, you know, they 20 turnovers only created 12. I mean, these are stats that you'd like to see Missouri do to teams, and then they're, they're getting done to the Tigers, and then this one jumps out to me. For for what we saw last year, a team that was so fun to watch, electric, four fast break points last night, four. They got outscored 12-4 to four on fast breaks against a team not really known for getting out and running. So there, there's a little bit of an identity crisis going on with these Tigers. And you're right, the question has now become, okay, what does this look like next year? Who's going to be back? And what can fairly be expected of incoming freshmen to help turn this thing around? increasingly so and you were out in front on this man it was they're gonna have to have some big wins in the transfer portal to to make sure this isn't a another growing year next year you put a bunch of freshmen on this team and there's no there's no guarantee it's going to get better all of a sudden and like i said i this is a new era of college basketball ben and normally year two of us of a program that was really really down it'd be easy to say hey man it's it's still it's still building back up not when you can erase your entire start. I mean, look at uh, Alabama. To me, is a great example. Uh, and granted, we don't we're not huge Nate Oat fans here, but that guy had to rebuild his entire starting five. It was gone, and it, it and you, you build it all right back up again. And a lot of a lot of his starting five were mid major players. 
that came down to Alabama. He's got some star, you know, freshman recruits. But Alabama, to me, is a very interesting comparison because I, th- I feel like they were in a similar spot. Mizzou was coming off an NCAA tournament and a ton of momentum, and it just didn't happen. And, and we've talked about the, the, the injuries are part of this story. But we are in a different era from where we can just say, hey, it, this thing is still building back up. Give, give Coach uh, a, you know, a lot more time. Uh, that that's part of the story here and I can't just toss that aside uh, he had a lot of challenges coming in but I, I tell you what I I can't throw a lot of excuses out here and we've had coach Gates's back and we'll continue to and I and I'm still relatively bullish on what can be this program in the years down the line but I tell you what this has been a major detour and a major pothole Ben in what was supposed to be uh, a continued ascension of this program uh, this is this is a lot more than a, a minor detour. A minor detour would have been, yeah, eh, maybe a win. You know, maybe you're a 500 team. That eh, would have been a disappointment, but understandable. This is this is well beyond that. Yeah, I kind of thought, okay, if this team is battling out for an NIT spot in a rebuilding year, then people will more or less say, okay, good news is coming. And really, there's no other way to look at this. Dennis Gates, just for people to understand, like he's not getting fired. Um, he's going to get a chance to get these freshmen in. And I think this is kind of a, this is really kind of a, in some ways, an oddity in two years in a row. Last year, they were probably a little bit better than they should have been. Um, and, and that's not yes, taking anything yes. away from that group. That's why you play the games. Right. Um, this year, they're probably a little bit worse than they should have been. Um, and now it's all compounding on itself because the losses have just continued to mount and that creates whole new problems and it creates, you know, struggles in confidence and it creates, you know, the, the, the self doubt, um, their chance of a winless record was in the single digits a couple games ago. It's now up to 20%. Um, if you're telling me that doesn't affect the psyches of, of guys on this team, you're, you're crazy. These are young men who are doubting themselves and it shows on the court. So, I think it uh, it's probably in reality it's it, it was a season that outperformed expectations and this one has underperformed and um, we always always know that three four five are are more important and truly telling years for a head coach especially um, especially in this modern time now some of them don't all get it Gates has confidence he has guys he's got the faith of this this university and this athletic department and I think they'll be more or less willing to flush this season. But uh, it comes. It, it does. It creates more pressure, probably on season three than than we probably thought there could be um, entering the start of season two. All right, let's talk about the one team here locally, Ben, that we know is in the NCAA tournament mix. That's Illinois. You called it. Michigan State would win at home, and they do it. It was a tremendous game. I think we were both right on the account. That was going to be the best game of the day, and it was certainly one of them up there in East Lansing. For a Michigan State team that's admittedly on the bubble, they need every game like that they can possibly get. It's going to more than likely be a, a quad one win for, for Sparty when it's all said and done. Remember, those shift as time goes. I think Illinois will, will find themselves as a net top 25 team throughout the rest of the year great win for for the spartans but i said it friday win or lose for illinois i i have no doubt this team has got the the capabilities of doing damage in march and and that opinion did not change yesterday uh tough road environment and illinois was was right there and i i think this is a again as long as terrence shannon remains with that team 
And we've seen them play without Shannon, and and they're okay. But if they want to make a run through March, he's got to be there. And this looks like a really well-balanced team that can do a lot of different things. They're athletic. They can defend. And they've got a go-to guy in Shannon. But if he's not the go-to guy, i got to tell you, Marcus Damask has proved me wrong. He can be the go-to guy when called upon. Yeah, I think think in some ways this team having to find a little bit of a resolve without Terrence Shannon when he was out probably encouraged some other guys to step their game up he played well against Michigan State 28 points uh, wasn't enough to to get it done there Um, but uh, golly Michigan State (laughs) shot like 63 percent from three and made 53 percent of their field goals that's that's hard to defend and and Illinois is not a not a rotten defensive team the Spartans were hot and this kind of just I think goes under the umbrella of this is kind of the time where Michigan State starts to realize it it's got one of the best coaches in the country and we usually see them kind of start to separate themselves or pick themselves up if they're struggling around this time of the year and that's kind of what I thought going in to this game um, Illinois going to be a threat in March and there's no reason I don't think unless I missed anything to think that Terrence Sheenan won't be a part of this thing moving forward after his uh, legal situation it sounds like that's going to be more of an off-season type thing one thing to watch with the Illini, though, and it's a minor thing because the Big Ten's tough, they're like one and three against ranked teams. Um, they 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 have been very good. They haven't proven consistently to be at their best against some of the best teams. Michigan State wasn't, of course, ranked. What's jumping out to me is how much Purdue is starting to separate itself from the rest of the Big Ten. The Illini are ranked behind the Boilermakers, they're they're eight and four in conference play. Purdue's eleven and two, and they've beaten every single ranked team they've played. Um, it's uh, it's pretty impressive what Purdue's been able to do in a pretty tough conference that beats up on itself. I think Illinois can still be the second or perhaps third best team in this conference. I think so too. And they almost they gave Purdue a game on the road right at the start of the new year, a few weeks back, uh, more like a little more than a month ago when they lost in uh, in West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah, Purdue is a, is a machine right now. And I'll say this about Purdue. I think they are better than last year. I think they are built to have a much deeper run in March than they did last year. Uh, many people have cited what Virginia did way back when in 2019 when they won the tournament the year after getting bounced as a number one seed. Purdue's motivation is going to be interesting, and I think they've found a way – to really get the most out of Zach Eady while maintaining the rest of their perimeter offense. They are going to be very, very good come March. But yeah, it doesn't bother, it wouldn't bother me too much. Illinois' record against ranked teams, I mean, they went to Tennessee and lost. They played a really good March. Then maybe the Marquette game would stand out, but that was way back in, in mid November. I mean, this, this team is completely different by now. Uh, you know the Big Ten's not that impressive. You know Illinois will play Purdue the penultimate game of the regular season at home Tuesday, March the fifth. That could, I mean, that could make a difference, Ben, in in Illinois seeding. Could they be a, could they be a three or a four? 
that 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 game might ultimately be the difference of them, you know, getting a four or a three seed, or even better than that if they do some damage in the Big Ten tournament. They just can't have too many slip ups. I mean, you're going to lose a game or two on the road. I don't think there's any problem with that. But for uh, Illinois, they they've got a chance to have a really quality seed and uh, be in position to to have a a really good march. And that game against Purdue will uh, will be a really meaningful regular season game, I think, here in a few weeks. Yeah, they get to uh, beat up on Michigan at home next, so they'll bounce back. They haven't lost back-to-back games all season, which I, I think that's really impressive. I, that tells me something yeah, about um, about teams at this point in the year. You've played enough where you have um, you have you've learned your resiliency. I mean, the fact that they came back to beat Indiana, Ohio State, Nebraska after that heartbreaking overtime loss at Northwestern that showed something from this team. That's why I'm looking at, you mentioned that Purdue game, March 5th. They play at Wisconsin before that. Um, that's going to be a really telling that's a big two one games too. Yeah, for it sure is. Illinois. Not to define their tournament. They're in. They're going to be in. But but what kind of team is entering the Big Ten tournament? What kind of team is entering the NCAA tournament bracket? That That's about as good of a test back-to-back as they're going to get um, until uh, Big Ten tournament play starts. Yeah, it'll be a very touch, tough stretch. Saturday, March the 2nd, Tuesday, March the 5th, at Wisconsin, home against Purdue. Billikens do give it a go yesterday. They lose, ultimately, at St. Joe's. I've, I've heard more people say maybe the momentum is trending towards Travis being back next year. I guess I guess we'll have to see. At least this has been a week for, for the Billikens to say, hey, we, we gave it a good go, right? And losing... Um, Losing at St. Joe's and, and drilling LaSalle on the road. LaSalle's a bad team, and the Billikens put up over 100. So that was a good effort, and they very well should have. I don't want to say should. They could have won yesterday. Winning on the road is tough. St. Joe's is actually a good team. This has been SLU's most impressive week of the year, Ben. I, that's not saying much, but it is something. Yeah, and they're no longer the worst record in conference play. They're tied with LaSalle. They're both 2-9 and nine in the A-10. So take the little wins uh, where you can uh, where you can get them. I suppose. Um, you know, it's funny that the conversation about Travis continues. Slews remained mum on the topic. They haven't given him the vote of confidence. They haven't said anything. I don't I, honestly, and if he's back, that's Slews' decision. Like, I'm not going to campaign for Travis to get fired. I don't know what folks would point to next season to be fired up about. But if he is back, they can't point to anything that's happened on the court as a reason um, between, between so far. I mean, just being realistic, it would just have to be a matter of, well, we believe in him and we're trusting him and we're going to ride this thing out. Um, you know, that, that could be their explanation, but I don't know that they can point to anything that's happened on the court um, through, through mid February so far, that looks like things are dramatically different. Um, this team kind of has a pattern. They come out pretty strong and then they cool off and then they lose. And they, they did flip the script at LaSalle for the first time since, you know, January 10th. And, but to me, like if they go and win that game at St. Joseph's, then you start, okay, two wins in a row. Maybe they're starting to rise up a little bit. And that game was there for the taking. I mean, if you're trying to change the narrative of your season, find a way to win the game, find a way to win the game, which you shoot nearly 50% from the field and you make 11 threes, um, find a way to win that game instead of, uh, instead of to come home without one. I do have to say this sincere Parker, 33 against LaSalle 34 yesterday against St. Joe's. He has turned it on and turned it on in a very, very big way. And, again, the, the difference for the Bills is they just don't play enough defense. But the way Parker is going, 
maybe they can steal a few more wins because offensively you've got uh, a, I mean, a pretty decent one-two punch with with Parker and Jimerson. And maybe this – we heard it a bunch, Ben, when they, when they were struggling in December and January. Hey, we don't have Parker. And I think we both scoffed at that notion. Maybe this is the guy they envisioned – uh, what would Sincere Parker could be when right? Because he had 33 points in 18 minutes against LaSalle yep. a few nights ago. So kudos to Parker. He has really turned it around. I, I'm curious to see if if he can keep that going. And if the Billikens, get again, they're, they're not uh, fighting for anything except maybe position in the A-10 tournaments. And they'd have to win a bunch there. And I don't see uh, anything uh, changing dramatically on that front. Uh, I, I don't think we envision a, this team making a run like they have in the past. But we talk about finishing strong. We've we've talked about that a lot for Mizzou, and that appears like it's uh, it's almost impossible at this point. Maybe SLU has a halfway decent finish to where, if if it's already set that Travis is coming back, maybe it makes it a little more palatable if uh, if they finish well here in the next month. I mean, you, you start to grasp at straws a little bit, but at least. At least this team and uh, one particular player, they're showing some life. Play some defense, and you'll win some games. There That's you it. Go. you got a lead scorer. He's back, and Jimerson can shoot. You can make threes. Play some defense. It's just effort at this point. You're 309th in the nation in defensive efficiency. Um, you Allowing opponents to shoot 34% from three and 53% from two. Just play a little defense. Put a little more effort into things defensively. And this team has a chance to win some games before it's over. This team has a much better chance of finishing stronger to its season and sweetening a bad situation than Missouri does at this point, I think. And then, Ben, to wrap us up, the Blues win again yesterday. And they, I should say, win again. I mean, they hadn't played in a while. <laughs> Their extended all-star break is over. But they come out and continue what's been a very hot run. And you go on the road and, and get a, a quality win in Buffalo how about Jake Neighbors? Two more goals for this guy. In terms of the emerging athlete here locally, of uh, you know breakthrough athletes, Ben, Jake Neighbors has, has been that guy from, uh, well, I guess it still counts for, for 2023, but he's, uh, he's part of the story now in 2024 as a guy that's uh, making it known. He is, he's been ready for the big stage and making the most of it. Yeah, I mean, you want people to take advantage of a season that's been a struggle, and he's doing it, and he's showing that he can play the style the Blues say they need to play. They won six out of their last seven, and this, to me, coming out strong on the road, getting the win against Buffalo. They got two more road games coming up, but it kind of erased that dud that they had at home against Columbus entering the All-Star break. They just kind of no-showed that one nothing loss and they're really not in a position to no-show a game, um, but to come out strong, kind of regroup after the, you know, after the the All-Star break and look like the team that had played going into the break before that final game. That was that was encouraging. They're getting good goalie play from both of their goalies. That can that can uh, really help you. They got a chance to to win again today. Um, I think they're think they're the numbers like them in this game. So they're kind of trying to make things interesting here. They've, the math is still against them, but their chance of making the playoff, if you love the projections, they're up to 25%, which wasn't that long ago that they were down around seven. So they got a chance to make things kind of interesting here, and it's that time of the year where if you don't, you're going to get lost to baseball pretty quick. So this would be the right time for the Blues to say, hey, wait a second, our season isn't over yet. It's not, and 
Um, I'm also curious for for Doug Armstrong what he views as a a, a suitable team. Does he, again, sell off parts? I'm starting to have the... I'm starting to have the belief he'll let this team roll. Well, I think if there's some of those like win now and later moves, he would pursue those. I don't think he's going to do anything to, um, you know, uh, prioritize the present over the future for this group. But I also can understand if he if he doesn't want to to you know uh, undercut it if he feels like it's got some momentum. You don't do you trade Colton Pareko in a year where he's playing pretty well for the future. Now, if the if the good vibes stop, then I, we know that Armstrong will make cold blooded calculations. I would imagine right now he's very much in sit and wait watch mode. And uh, if there's things that he can find that he feels like helps this team now and later, be interested in those. I, I don't think it would be in his best interest to undercut this team too fast too soon because. They spent a lot of the season kind of in the gutter, and now it seems like they finally get their head out. They've got a chance to, to entertain their home fans, so let that ride a little bit, then then kind of push it closer to the trade deadline. you got some time still to see to see if this thing is legitimate or more of just a flash in the pan. Ben, we got to go. Final Super Bowl pick? I'll take the Chiefs, man. I don't bet against uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know that, and, and I really like the Chiefs' defense. If you look at what they've done in the postseason, they've been even better, and defenses that have been this good in the playoffs tend to win Super Bowls. I like the Chiefs as well. 2017 are the Super Bowl champs again, and uh, a dynasty is here for Patrick Mahomes and company. Ben, enjoy all the festivities today, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Sounds good, man. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Talk to you soon. That's Ben. I'm Brendan. Enjoy the day, folks, here on the Big 550 KTRS.